if you could do me a favor, you know, if you ain't that busy, if you could throw us down a couple blessings, you know, like one that I don't mess up being a manager. Uh, we're just three cats and never played a single snap. Here to tell you how to draft when the ship and run it back. The stats ain't tell the story, this is the story of the stats. You can stick it to your friends, what's more glorious than that? We're victorious in rap, bringing wrath to our rivals. We're here to shun the stats, laugh, and lead you all the titles. Stick to the path and follow us disciples. The only sin is math, and all you need is the Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. It's the Fantasy Bible. It's your host, Nate Binder, coming to you once again Tuesday afternoon after a, an exciting weekend of football and a less than exciting Monday evening of football. Uh, Dane, how are you doing? I'm doing quite all right on this Tuesday evening, as you said. Uh, a lot has happened in the NFL in the first two weeks, and we're here to talk about it. And yeah, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much, but I'm all right. Thank you for asking. Yeah, we'll be getting into our, uh, you know, our format where we review what happened last week and then offer a few predictions for the week to come. I want to just send the general message out there to the NFL scheduling department that I think uh, a lot of people are that the uh, Monday night doubleheader, that's not it, folks. It's not it. Just give me the the island game on Monday. Let me start my week with like one game that I can say goodbye to the NFL weekend with and move on. Don't have me like double screening on a Monday night. It's just, it's not, I'm not here for it. Yeah, I totally get that sentiment. It seems to be echoed a lot amongst watchers around the world, but um, I personally don't stay up for the primetime games because I have to wake up very early. So it doesn't affect me very much, but I would love to see another game on the red zone octo cast, you know, uh, or at least another 430 game on Sunday rather than doubleheader Monday that I'm not watching. So I'm on board with that. Yeah. And if we have the ability to start games at seven on these random Mondays, then can we just start them at seven every Monday? Like is that, is that too crazy? I mean, it's eight thirty on the East Coast by the time these games kick off uh, most weeks. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a little rough. All right, Dan, I've got uh, I've got some mystery questions. Do you have a mystery question you want to throw out there? Or uh... I, I thought of one, but I don't have it. So okay. That's okay. Um, I've got two for you. Uh, one is: Do you know who the overall? points leader in fantasy football is through the first two weeks of the season oh that is a great question um my mind immediately jumps to like christian mccaffrey tyree kill people who have had a monster week here and there um i don't know so those guesses do make sense but uh the points leader through the first two weeks is a uh a selection in our own draft universally panned by the analysts here at the Fantasy Bible, Dallas Cowboys defense is but your that's fantasy points football leader. points leader through the first two weeks of the season. Oh my God, Zach, you had the best draft out of anyone. Yeah, Zach, reverse <laughs> your draft grade to an A. Um, probably didn't need that second defense still, but good on you to draft the Dallas Cowboys defense. Oh my God, uh, might have looked different if you know they had to 
probably Aaron Rodgers, but yeah, they are at 52 points through the first two weeks. Tyree Kill is number two at 51.5. Um, so yeah, why did you spend a first round pick on Tyree Kill when you could have just drafted the Dallas Cowboys defense? Absolutely absurd. And guess who the Cowboys are playing this week? It's the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, it's like, yeah, it's the vision. That's the best pick in the draft. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Zach was on something that we we weren't on. He was on a advanced wavelength there. He was looking oh down goodness. the schedule. He was like, this is just going to win me my first three weeks. Um, all right. My second mystery question uh, is just like, should Nico Collins be a top trade target? Uh, top trade target? I think he's in the conversation. Yeah. Like, as far as trade targets go, you're not going to get Tyreek Hill off of somebody. So that's out of the question. And then you're looking at people down the ranks who are popping. And yeah, I think Nico Collins, he's the wide receiver seven on the year so far. Two weeks, small sample size. We understand that. But uh, it's working out. And CJ Stroud has like a hundred something dropbacks through two weeks. Uh, they're going to be down in game scripts. Uh, pretty much every single week. I don't know why you wouldn't want to get Nico Collins on your roster. I was not a believer. You had talked him up ever since like pre-draft NFL process last year. And, you know, I wasn't sold on it. Uh, A lot of things needed to break his way. And guess what? They're breaking his way. So, yeah, I really wish I had him on any of my rosters, but I do not. Yeah, never wrong. Just early over here at the Fantasy Bible. Um, But, yeah, Nico Collins just stands out to me as one of those guys who's a good trade target because he's a player who's like performing really well but who other people might believe he's like a sell high candidate like mm-hmm. pukunakua you're not going to prize pukunakua out of anybody's hands right now yeah. um you know you might get some people who are trying to move off puka after the week four game knowing that the cup is going to be coming back but Nico Collins is being targeted almost as much as Puka. Like Dane said, he's the wide receiver seven, uh, 226 yards and a touchdown at this point in the season. And nothing to really indicate that that performance is going to drop off. Like Dane said, game scripts will be going his way. CJ Stroud can actually throw the ball, unlike uh, Bryce Young. Yes, I was going to say that name. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I would just be looking at Nico Collins. Uh, There might be some people looking to quote-unquote sell high on Nico Collins, but I think you'd actually be, uh, you know, buying a good value there if you can especially like, you know, like someone like Terry McLaurin or like these bigger names that are just kind of out there that maybe had a good week. Uh, I I think I'd probably rather have Nico Collins uh, on the season uh, than a Terry McLaurin just watching how those passing offenses are operating right now. Yeah, I think that's a great way to contextualize that take there. Um, Yeah, I mean... He's outperforming his expectation by a lot, but that doesn't mean it's a fluke. And by saying you would take him over Nico or sorry, over Terry McLaurin, I think that's a great way to emphasize what we really believe for this man. And honestly, I would agree. I'd rather have Nico Collins and Terry McLaurin right now myself. Yeah. Big body on a team full of slots as well. All right, let's move into what matters most, Dane. Uh, If you missed the show last week, we go through four categories in our uh, reflection section of the podcast, and they are what matters most, what matters least, a rage quit moment, and a this is why we play moment. Why don't you kick us off with what matters most? All right. I got a hopefully not too hot of a take, but it probably is in a lot of circles. Um, So I phrased it as a question uh, for what matters most is Justin Herbert just Philip Rivers reincarnated? Like, <laughs> is is he just the embodiment of the Chargers curse to always Charger 
when the game is on the line and lose? Is he talented and a good game manager, uh, but not quite not quite got the it factor to win the game when it's coming down the stretch. Like we haven't really seen it pan out for Justin Herbert yet. Um, it's always like a, a what if, or he's got the talent. So it's about to happen and he's got the weapons and it's, it's just on the precipice, but guess what? It keeps getting pushed back a week, a week, a week, a week. He's losing. Um, you know, he's a good quarterback. I'm not denying that, but is his destiny as a fantasy or sorry, a, an NFL player to just be kind of relegated into the Philip Rivers tier of he's worthy of a Hall of Fame conversation, but can he ever get to a Super Bowl and win it? It's it's troubling. Well, two two reactions to that. Uh, first and foremost, Philip Rivers supported some pretty awesome fantasy football offenses. He did his time. So if that's the case, they they both had weapons. Yeah, they both had weapons. Here's the thing. So there's. I get why this narrative is popping up, but for me personally, like there have been three times when I've uh, basically become like, you know, like teared up and become emotional watching football. One was Super Bowl, Eagles Super Bowl, uh, the one that we won. Um, Mm. I guess the one that we lost as well, but that was a different type of emotion. This is like (laughs) the joy emotion. Uh, One was when Lane Johnson caught a touchdown uh, in the season that he missed four games for depression and anxiety. Uh, and then, you know, they brought him out and had him catch a touchdown, which for a right tackle, I don't know, it's just very cool. Yeah. And the third one was when I watched Justin Herbert complete absurd pass uh, after statistically impossible pass to complete fourth and longs over and over again in that game that he played against the Raiders where they both could have tied and both could have gone to the uh playoffs to yeah. the playoffs. So like that was like one of the most clutch quarterback performances I'd ever seen. So much that I like became emotional because I felt like I was like watching greatness. And then so like I know he has it inside him. Like even in this game that we're talking about, he pulled it out to get them to overtime like you know he he leads at a game tying drive and then yeah overtime goes three and out uh and and we we know how that ended but yeah i don't i don't know i mean from a fantasy perspective i'll i'll be happy to draft Justin Herbert every year and i think that the the Keenan the Keenan the Keenan the Kellen Moore offense is working and and this can sort of dovetail into one of my what matters most points as well um but yeah i uh as far as like the intangible nature of what's inside Justin Herbert, like does he have that it factor that you know the Tom Brady's have, the the quarterbacks that can turn it on, even when like you know Ryan Tannehill has it, Eli Manning had it. But what's the value? You know, would you rather have a a guy like Kirk Cousins that's gonna you know produce stats that are you know impressive on paper, but then fall short? Uh, when the moment is hot or, you know, obviously if an NFL team, you're going to want someone that can, that has that sort of clutch gene in them. But from a fantasy football perspective, I'm still all in on, on Justin Herbert and this offense. I think you, yeah, kind of hit the nail on the head there. Fantasy football wise, he's still going to be a top 10 quarterback for a while. Um, I'm not worried about that. It's just concerning. The charges have dropped to 0-2. Uh, they lost to the Tennessee Titans, who are not really expected to be a great team this year, but they are coached by a great coach, Mike Vrabel. And 
Um, now we're looking at next week, the Chargers face the Vikings. They have to win that game. If they do not win that game, they're not going to the playoffs. So there's just no way that's happening. So it's make or break it season for Justin Herbert and the entire uh, Chargers team. Hopefully Austin Eckler gets back because he's a huge boon to their uh, winning upside if he is on the field. Um, I just thought it was more worth kicking the episode off there. Um, you know, a fantasy darling, a huge talent in the NFL. Just need to see it happen. Yeah, and uh, good good on you calling out that game next week. Uh, the Around the NFL podcast has a concept that they call a cornered animal game, where it's like two cornered animals fighting each other. And folks, this is a cornered animal game. The Los Angeles Chargers at 0-2 playing the Minnesota Vikings at 0-2. The team yeah. that loses this game, their season is over. It's really hard to dig yourself out of an 0-3 hole. Uh, granted, this is an out-of-conference game, so it, it's not going to impact some of the more nuanced tiebreakers and things like that. But yeah, it's a must-win game for the Chargers, and it's a must-win game for the Vikings, two teams that had playoff or more expectations this year, I would imagine. So, mm-hmm. and and here's here's the other thing, Dane. Minnesota Vikings lose this game. Kirk Cousins no extension. New York Jets. <laughs> you think Cousins is going to the Jets? Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. The the Vikings to Jets pipeline. <laughs> the Vikings to Jets pipeline. They hey look, they got one NFC North quarterback. It didn't work out. Let's get another one in here, see what we can do. Um, because, yeah, the Zach Wilson thing is not working. Okay, uh, I'm going to uh, dovetail uh, off your point with a quick point here, which is the old guys, they still got it. Keenan Allen, eight catches for 111 yards, two touchdowns. Mike Evans, six catches for 171 yards and a touchdown. These are two players. Allen was not one that I faded this year. I, I thought Allen was going to have a, a, a good year, bounce back year. Mike Evans, hard fade from the Fantasy Bible podcast. And uh, guys still got it. Guys still got it. So these, and um, I'll talk a little bit about the Bucks in our next section as well. But I do think Mike Evans going to be very sustainable uh, wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside the rest of the season, maybe even worth trading for. Keenan Allen though, Keenan Allen's looking like he might be a top five fantasy receiver this year, especially in that new Kellen Moore offense. Yeah, he's certainly sitting at the wide receiver five spot on the year so far with two touchdowns. Touchdowns will inflate a receiver's ranking early in the season. Um, Keenan Allen not being known for his high touchdown reception on the year, uh, you know, accruation. But uh, it's working. Like you said, the Kellen Moore offense is looking better than it has for the Chargers. They just somehow can't win the game, which really sucks for Chargers fans and anyone relying on that team. But uh, yeah, defensive-minded I mean, he... head coach, and they can't. They can't close out a game. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, what is their defense? It's not good. But yeah, Keenan Allen is good. He's still good. He's still performing. Uh, Quentin Johnston, the rookie, is not superseding anyone on the roster for now maybe yeah how that how that go dane so i'm not loving it so far <laughs> you gotta pick but, uh, yeah it's good to pick players that know how to play receiver uh is, is kind of my my mindset when i'm going into a draft uh yeah so i'm learning that um <laughs> i'm warming up to that idea but uh i i still think he has a better second half of the season ahead of him Quentin absolutely Johnston. yeah i would especially if like either if one of char- those misses. Is- yeah, if Keenan Allen or Mike 
Mike Williams misses any time and the Chargers, I think, will be a better offense as the season progresses. I think, you know, brighter horizons ahead. Yeah, if either of those guys misses time or if the Chargers season just continues to plummet and they're like 0-3, 0-4, it's going to be like, yeah, let's, you know, let's save Keenan Allen's old bones and, and get the rookie some snaps is definitely going to be a, in consideration as well. Um, okay, I've, I've got a few more, Dane. Anything else in the what matters most uh, category for you? Um, yeah, I, I do want to say that the Bengals might be in trouble. Okay. It's so funny that we had the Bengals in the, what matters least we were, you and I were both like, yeah, don't worry about the Bengals. They'll get figured <laughs> yeah. out. Week two, Joe Burrow hobbling off the field. Yeah. yeah if you had T Higgins, you turn, you, you know, it, it went all right for you. But other than that, rough sledding for this Bengals offense. Yeah, man. It, it like. I, I got to think that Joe Burrow misses some time here with the calf injury. They already rested him in the training camp preseason era of the NFL this season. And guess what? After four weeks of rest, uh, we're only two weeks into the season. He's already re-aggravated it. So are they going to play him next week? Uh, that's a long shot, in my opinion. Um, they're 0-2, though, so they're kind of back against the wall here. You know, caged animal against caged animals like you were saying. So they really need all cylinders firing to keep their playoff hopes alive. Somehow they made the playoffs last year after starting 0-2, but it's very different when Joe Burrow is regressing into injury territory. And guess what? They didn't look good in the first two weeks, even with him on the field. So you can attribute that to the calf injury that he's nursing and has re-aggravated, but that doesn't mean they're going to look better with a backup because they're not. Um, I, I don't even know the backup's name. It's That's it's like brand, it's like Brandon. I, I don't I don't even know. It's it's not a good situation. But guess what? You probably Jake still got to play Browning. Jake Browning. Um, yeah, I couldn't tell you a single thing about Jake Browning. Oh, Jake Browning! Come on, he played college ball for the Washington Huskies. Signed with the Minnesota Vikings as an undrafted uh-huh. free agent in 2019. Uh-huh. This is oh, an yeah. inspiring hope. Oh, did did you read every single bit of that off Google? <laughs> Just yeah, right from the Wikipedia page. Uh, uh, yeah. So it's not going to be good for that team. It's not going to be good for your fantasy assets. It's not going to be good for, you know, the players you're starting every week on that team. Joe Mixon, uh, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase. It's not going to be better. Uh, but unfortunately, you probably still have to start all those people because they were drafted like within the first four rounds of every fantasy draft ever. So, you know limited expectations i hope they rest him and he gets back to full health like week five that would be ideal um if they try to you know shove him out there and it just gets worse that that is the worst case scenario we saw um i I think it's worth noting going back into when he originally injured the uh the calf it was already in like a sleeve while he was in training camp and so he was clearly already nursing a calf injury and he re-aggravated it. They sat him out all through the preseason. He started week one, looked gingerly. Yes, it's a rain game. Week two also doesn't look great. And now he's re-aggravated it. So is this a point where you have to be a good coach talking about the Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor, um, and just sit him out for the greater good of the longevity of your season? Or do you just trudge through it and throw him out there with disregard? Like, it's it's a big point of contention, I think, for their entire season right now. 
Yeah, like you know who had a, a calf strain and then like never looked right the whole season was Dak Prescott a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, great point. Yeah. Yeah, like the, these calf strains linger, especially for these quarterbacks. There's a great clip going around on Twitter that just shows like, you know, if you're a quarterback who doesn't have a lot of natural arm strength, you need to generate that strength from your lower body. And if like, you know, one half of your lower body isn't hmm. able to plant, um, you're gonna have issues with velocity, which we saw on that interception that Joe Burrow threw yesterday. And he's a quarterback that, like, you know, coming out of college arm strength was kind of the biggest question and so if his ability to generate velocity is impacted by this injury yeah a little little concerning i mean uh jamar chase for puka nakua who says no um honestly <laughs> that's not a terrible idea yeah it's, i wouldn't make that trade i, I think you know there's going to be a no, don't make a, that trade. a bit of a regression for puka not gonna not not gonna dampen any of the puka hype i don't still think he's gonna be awesome but yeah i think jamar chase will, will be all right but yeah i would i would say that uh a little concerned about the Bengals. if your team is built around Bengals weapons you might want to uh if you're already zero and two like the Bengals, maybe parlay them into some some guys you can start now that'll be uh more productive for you um Okay, Dane, my next one here is, have we seen a passing of the spatula? Was that a SpongeBob reference? Well, it could be a passing of the spatula. It could be a passing of the slotted spoon. But it's a passing Cooking. Cooking. from one cook to another. <laughs> and, uh, yes, we have. Yeah, I think we have. I mean, James Cook, 17 rushes for 123 yards, four catches for... Uh, 30, 31 yards, Dalvin cook, four rushes for seven yards, one catch for five yards and a mm -hmm. pretty bad fumble, um, in Dalvin cook's defense. It's not like he was put into a situation where he was going to have any success with rookie Zach Wilson, really no threat to throw the ball. And then also going against one of the better defenses in the NFL, probably the best defense in the NFL, mm -hmm. uh, but that said, a lot of those situations aren't changing for Dalvin Cook. He's got a rough schedule, and Zach Wilson is still their quarterback until Kirk Cousins comes to save the day to reunite with his boy Dalvin. So um, not a not a ton the actionable that you can take out of this. But yeah, I think I think it's James Cook's time to ride. He looked pretty good in Week One, looked electric in Week Two. Bills have been trying to get that running back running game going for a while now. It's nice to see that, like, you know, they use Damian Harris in the short yardage situations to convert, but everything else is is going to James Cook. So uh yeah, James Cook, probably a pretty big steal um for folks that were able to get him where they where they were. I know, granted, they were playing the Raiders. So that's gonna be a get right game for anyone. Um, but yeah, James Cook passing on the spatula. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I love the way you phrased that, but I, I totally agree. James Cook looks great. Um, he's probably the best Bills running back that we've seen since Shady McCoy uh, moonlighted there. Literally, statistically, career. the best performance of a Bills running back since Shady McCoy. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Anyone who drafted James Cook is feeling really good right now. I think you should continue to feel good and don't trade him away. He's probably a top twenty running back for the rest of the year. He might not rush for 124 yards every game, but he's a pivotal point in that offense, especially the rushing, rushing attack. And he does catch passes, even though Josh Allen is a running quarterback. So, yeah, yeah. great value. 
And one thing to note on James Cook, um, if you are if you are skeptical, he could be a sell high candidate just because like how much goal line work is James Cook realistically going to get um, this season? So it's dependent on him, you know, being uh, electric with the touches he does get. Now, I think I'm pretty hopeful. Like he looks like a talented player. Bills want to run the ball more. Um, I, I'm feeling pretty good about that. But yeah, I, Damian Harris, Josh Allen, those are the goal line backs on this team. So mm-hmm. uh, just one point of concern there. I have one more quick what matters most, Dane. Uh, anything else before we move on? No. All right. My last one rookie tight ends are playable now? Question mark. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. We've seen a lot of rookie tight ends breaking out. Um, I'll let you finish that thought, but I, I'm already agreeing with it. Yeah, it seems like it's been kind of like a three-step process where a few years ago, maybe even five or six years ago, it was determined like, oh, yeah, like rookie running backs, like we should be playing rookie running backs. Like there's a lot of value in a rookie running back, especially in that 2017 draft. And then it was like all of a sudden it's like, okay, rookie wide receivers. Yeah, these guys are playable. Yeah, Justin Jefferson, let's do it. I'll, I'll throw Jamar Chase out there on, on a rookie, rookie year and feel good about it. And now – it's like we've crossed the threshold to rookie tight ends who in the past have never been playable. This was the year that was going to sort of test that theory with so many um, tight ends drafted in in high spots for teams with openings in their offenses, like literally the Hawkinson to Laporta one-to-one uh, Dalton Kincaid brought in to be more of a slot receiver. And I'm not saying these guys are lighting the world up or anything, but uh, Sam Laporta is the tight end seven through two two weeks. He had a nine point game last week. Dolan Kincaid is the tight end thirteen. He had a seven point game, and then Luke Musgrave, tight end eighteen, uh, had a, a six point five week in week one, three point five points yesterday or uh, this past weekend rather. None of these performances are going to shock the world here, but hey, you can throw these guys into your tight end slot, hope for an explosive play, know that they're going to get some targets. I mean, I think Dalton Kincaid had seven targets or something like that in this past game. Lepar's getting targeted all over the place. Um, so yeah, rookie tight ends, bucking the trend this year. Might be able to throw, at least Kincaid and Laporta, I think you can reliably start week to week and, and hope for a, you know six points and maybe they catch a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a fantastic year to butt the trend there of rookie tight ends can't produce, and I, I think it's going to continue for all the reasons you just said. They have a defined role on their offense. They're starting a ton of snaps, uh, and they look good on the field. They they pass all three check marks. You know, they're completely breaking the mold here of what we thought rookie tight ends could do. And some people believed in that. A lot of people did not. And you know, if I'm struggling to stream a tight end, I'd very much consider trading for Laporta, Musgrave, or Kincaid right now. I, I think their role is only going to grow in a passing game for each of their respective offenses. Yeah. And if you're in a keeper league or something like that, that might be something to look at as well. All right. Yeah. What matters least, Dan? What what did it matter to you from this weekend? The Jags had a bad game. (laughs) (laughs) And I said this last week about the Bengals, and then they had another bad game, and they ended up in my what matters most, the Bengals. (laughs) So Jags, Uh, you're on thin ice. (laughs) Yeah, Jags, you indeed are on thin ice. But uh, the Chiefs defense is outperforming any preseason expectations here through two weeks. They are looking pretty good. And the Jags had a lot of near high performance plays and touchdown plays that just 
two toes did not end up in the end zone. And you can make excuses this way, that way about those type of plays. But um, I don't think the Jags are bad. I think it's very clear they have all kinds of weapons and a good a good enough defense to keep their offense on the field. I think it is going to be much better than this week through the rest of the season. So do not panic about Calvin Ridley having a down week. Uh, do not panic about Etienne or Trevor Lawrence or even Zay Jones, I think, will be a serviceable wide receiver three throughout the rest of the year for fantasy purposes. Um, he was struggling with a knee injury, so we kind of kind of monitor that uh, as this next week goes with practice. But I, I just don't want to overreact to the Jaguars scoring nine points against the Chiefs. A 17-9 game, Chiefs Very winning. Very strange which, game, yeah. Yeah, didn't love that. Uh, not the fantastical spectator sport that we were hoping for there with that matchup. But uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not concerned about the Jaguars, just like I wasn't concerned about the Bengals week one Um, different circumstances for both of those teams. But I do think the Jaguars have much brighter horizons ahead of them. Doug Peterson needs to take back play calling and then I'll feel good about that. This press Taylor nonsense. He did this exact same thing in Philly, given play calling duties to his buddies. It went terrible then. With mm. Press Taylor, it's going to go terrible now. Terrible now with Press Taylor. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm not super concerned. I think Trevor Lawrence is awesome, um, but would love to see Dougie P take that play sheet back. Um, I'm going to go in a more negative direction, and I'm going to say the Bucks' offensive success uh, does not really matter. I know, like I said, I think Mike Evans is. Uh, going to be you know locked in wide receiver two solid player for you all year but they've played uh chicago and the vikings two defenses chicago in particular that do not look uh particularly impressive chicago is already allowing the fifth most passing yards they were allowed the they were i think 11th in that at the end of the year last year so continuing of a trend of allowing a lot of passing yards um yeah i mean look we know who baker mayfield is so we can uh, assume that Baker Mayfield has taken some kind of large leap and is going to be throwing for 317 yards uh, every week, or we can assume that this Bucks offense has played two really weak defenses and that they might uh, come up against, uh, what do you call it, a paper grinder, paper shredder. Um, meat grinder. Meat grinder, yeah. Yeah, it's it, like... I just don't think that this is sustainable. Um, I don't think these Bucks weapons are going to produce like they did in this past game. And yeah, I, I wouldn't be banking, looking at your roster with like a Chris Godwin on it or a Rashad White and and feeling particularly hopeful about their chances for the rest of the season. I think this is an offense that's going to come come down back down to earth, maybe as soon as this Monday when they play the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I, I, that's certainly a good take, especially with the next week matchup against the Eagles. Um, a certain fantasy footballers podcast had Baker Mayfield as a quarterback start of the week uh, against the Eagles, which sounds absurd. But uh, if they're down early, maybe he's slinging it. Uh, but I agree, Mike Will or sorry, Mike Evans probably a sell high if you can find somebody. I mean, he's basically on pace to have his best career season ever with Baker with Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, <laughs> and that is. Not something I want to bank my entire fantasy season on. So, yeah, if you're looking to sell high and you need a running back, Mike Evans is a pretty good trading piece. Um, 
but you don't have to sell him. I think he will still be good. I think he'll still be like a wide receiver two for the rest of the season. He's done very well the first two weeks. Um, he's always an explosive player, and he's he's pretty much living on explosives right now. He is the wide receiver two in half PPR so far this year, but he only has twelve receptions. Like yeah. he's the he's he's like the lowest in the top twelve or fifteen receivers in receptions, but he's got an average of 19.8 yards per reception and he's got two touchdowns so that we saw mike evans hit a spin move and then run downfield like that's that's not mike evans games (laughs) no like like that stuff is gonna come back to earth yeah Yeah. i mean i love mike evans but yeah yeah great player to watch he's explosive love him but uh yeah it could be a sell high candidate if we had that as a segment he would be probably my top pick there Nice. Um, anything else in the what matters least category? Uh, no, no. Cool. I'm just going to shout out a trio of performances. Garrett Wilson's performance, not sustainable. Not with Zach Wilson. George Pickens' performance, if you take away the one catch 71-yard touchdown that he had, he has almost an identical stat line to what he had last week, which was like five catches for 50 yards. Um, little worried about George Pickens and and this offense, obviously they realize when they go to him, good things happen, but you, you remove the outlier plays and he performed exactly like he did last week. And then on the more positive side, uh, I don't think we're going to see Josh Jacobs rushing nine times for negative two yards. Um, again, I think, you know, he missed training camp and that whole offense is, is struggling. I think they're going to get it going with Josh Jacobs soon. He also had five catches for 51 yards, so saved his week uh, and then was yeah. involved. But yeah, I don't think uh, it's it's very rare for a player to go from the rushing leader to uh, rushing for negative yardage. So I think probably can't expect the same result out of Josh Jacobs as last year, but should should get better for him. Okay, what was uh, your rage quit moment? Um. So... <laughs> It was kind of like fan base specific or maybe fantasy based, depending on what players you were starting. But it was the Broncos versus uh, Washington Commanders game. The Broncos had like a uh, 21 to three lead, I believe, like early Mm -hmm. in the second quarter. And they did not score again until like the fourth quarter um, when the Washington Commanders had completely commanded the game at that point and it just looked so abysmal the the fan base was entirely deflated there was almost no reason to believe they would win they were now losing by 10 points or at some point now eight points and then they throw a moonshot hail mary 60 or 50 something yards russell wilson doing what he can do best to just like arcing it off of the roof of the stadium and then back down into the end zone some crazy bobbled catches and then they end up with a touchdown with seconds to go uh they just need a two-point conversion they do not get it it was such a heartbreaking moment i think for all the broncos fans like it's more of like an nfl fan base rage quit moment but also uh, like your expectations for this team, I feel like are just probably so deflated after that display. I mean, how can you be up 21 to three against the Washington commanders team that shouldn't be great on offense, but somehow they come back and they went 35 to 33. Like, 
Oh, yeah. Oh, oh that's no, terrible. No, no. Yeah. I mean, you saw the end, right? With the Hail Mary and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty rough start to the Sean Payton era in Denver. Um, Russ does look better, but still wouldn't be surprised if Russ is benched at some point during this season if they keep losing. Because while his overall numbers look good, he still does kind of look like the same old Russ that is maybe not operating in the structure of the offense and is kind of just doing his own thing. Yeah, it is worth mentioning Russ is currently the quarterback five in fantasy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's going you know, off. <laughs> he's performing, but I don't, you know, it, it's a bad moment for the Broncos fans out there. Sweet. Or not sweet. Not sweet. Not sweet for them. <laughs> yeah, not sweet. <laughs> but uh, as someone who can't stand Sean Payton, enjoying it quite a bit myself. Um, Nathaniel Hackett probably also enjoying it quite a bit. Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett probably enjoying it, although not quite as much as he would have been uh, if Aaron Rodgers was still his quarterback. All right, I had uh, two rage quit moments. One, the Zay Jones goose egg really ticked me off. Um, You had him as your, your miracle player. We'll get into that in the next segment. I had him in a in a parlay where he was the one leg of the parlay that did not hit. Um, and last week we said, oh, Christian Kirk, not, not going to be a major part of this offense. Zay Jones playing in two receiver sets. Well, this week it was Christian Kirk playing in two receiver yeah. sets. And, you know, so maybe that's just a week to week thing. Maybe that's the injury that Dane mentioned. Who really knows? Uh, that just bugged me because I really felt like Zay Jones looked so good in week one that I was like confident that I was like, okay, this is actually with the role he plays their wide receiver too. And instead, uh, Christian Kirk goes off. Mm-hmm. Zay Jones lays the goose egg. My other rage quit moment happened on Friday. Um, Dane, uh, you know, get on a high horse here. I, I believe that we as commissioners have uh, have a responsibility to protect oh, our league from <laughs> incompetence. <laughs> now, I know that you don't believe you have this responsibility. You believe that uh, you're more of a laissez-faire kind yes. of a you know MAGA Republican. That's kind of your point oh, of view as far as it? leagues. I believe uh, just a little bit more regulation will protect us. Um, so we had someone in our league, uh, Dynasty League, trade Cam Akers. This was, by the way, after Cam Akers had rushed 20 times for 29 yards and Kyron Williams clearly had unseated him as the starting running back in L.A., uh, traded Cam Akers for Amari Cooper and DeAndre Swift, each individual player, probably worth more than Cam Akers in trade value. Somehow both were paired together to get Cam Akers. Cam Akers then very quickly benched by his team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in most in most leagues, this would be a trade that would be vetoed. I, I reached out to Grant to try and get more details because it was his cousin who acquired Cam Akers. He actually said that his cousin was... Uh, recovering from surgery on opioids when he made that trade. Um, so, Dan, I'm just curious from your perspective as a commissioner, why do you like to cultivate an environment where people who are on drugs can be taken advantage of? Um, and why are we just Dude. kind of like lowering the bar for like, you know, operating as a league? Like, why is this trade good for the league? Uh, I'm putting you on the spot. Okay, definitely putting me on the spot. I had no idea. Surgery, opioids, no idea. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to do my digging. I'm going to do some digging because I'm like, why? How could this possibly have happened? This is the most ridiculous thing I've, I've oh, seen happen in a fantasy league. 
I respect you for like inquiring about that, but uh, yeah, did I like the trade for both sides? No, not at all. But is it my role as a commissioner to just like unilaterally subject the league to my judgment on what I think is going to happen? I don't think so. No, That's you open it up I... to everyone else to decide. I, I I need to look at the the bylaws that I have set for the league as far as vetoes because I believe there is a supermajority aspect to that. Don't know if it can still toll here after a week of play after the trade but that's something i should brush up on as a commissioner uh but no i i think i've seen a number of trades in the past both in redraft leagues and dynasty leagues that they appear one side of, at the start and then either weeks to months later uh all of a sudden it seems flip-flopped like if i knew what i knew in six months i would have vetoed it the other way so personally i think it's Dan, just crapshoot fantasy is all luck i'm this getting a message a- from a time traveler oh you um, are um and he's saying that yeah cam Akers is not going to score more points than amari cooper this year oh well i agree with that <laughs> now i know <laughs> that he's not but before that trade was you know happening that we didn't know cam Akers was going to be benched traded but guess what what if k makers goes to the the browns and then jerome ford gets injured now k makers is getting 20 touches is, a week is bad and now he's not running another back team one. he got 22 <laughs> yeah, touches probably okay he's yards. probably bad i don't think he's good he's apparently a terrible teammate like yeah, i don't know why you bench him like who's gonna uh, trade for oh uh, a, a benched running back off an achilles who's a no, terrible teammate nobody. like you shouldn't what don't are you trying it. to get, Rams? Um, but yeah, don't come uh, to my team. Don't come to my fantasy team. Yeah, I don't want it. But I your point say, stands, man. If you are in a league with a situation like this, um, I think it's it's a, a pretty simple to put a framework in place to where pick a trade calculator. Maybe it's keep trade cut. Uh, maybe it's you know dynastycalc.com, whatever, um, and just say all trades trades need to be within a. 40% threshold or something like that. And, and then boom, you you have a, a system where no one has to vote. The commissioner doesn't have to use any judgment. It just goes to the the hard numbers of the analysis at the time would be my recommendation. But yeah, it always always ruins uh ruins the fantasy league enjoyment a little bit when you just kind of see someone not paying attention to the landscape at all and someone else taking advantage of that. Um so yeah, that was a trade that happened. What was your this is why we play moment? Uh, We talked about it a little earlier and you didn't believe in it. You said it was what matters least. I think Mike Evans outperforming his draft capital by like a million points is pretty much the reason why we play. You believe in a player. (laughs) You believe against the narrative of the Bucks being bad. Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, all the offseason narrative of we don't know who's going to start. And now guess what? Mike Evans still really good. I wanted to use a curse word there. He's really good uh <laughs> and he's doing it out there dude he's got only 12 receptions on like 19 targets for 237 yards two touchdowns i mean he's gonna get those explosive plays no matter what the game is like baker mayfield has always been like a go ball kind of guy he's willing to throw it out there and it's working with mike evans it's working this early into the season even though he didn't take all the first team reps in the offseason it was split between him and kyle trask like this is why you play. You drafted Mike Evans. You believed in him, whether you're a homer or you had him on your fantasy team in the past. You just believe in the talent. Like, yes, you are groveling with the haters who are 
coming at you before the season with your pick and guess what you got a top 10 receiver and he's at least going to be a top 24 receiver for the rest of the year no matter what in my opinion week to week so uh yeah that that's the kind of moment that i love yeah that's fair enough and especially for a player that i think is kind of universally beloved like mike evans has been doing it if you've been playing fantasy for five years mike evans has been part of your league landscape that was entire five years so it's it's kind of mm-hmm. cool um i've got uh two one kyron williams um if you watched football in week one you knew that kyron williams was the rams uh go-to running back and so while i was annoyed by the cam Akers uh dilemma got to enjoy watching kyron williams go off for 25 points so Whenever you can get like a free starting running back off the waiver wires in the first two weeks, that's a this is why we play moment. And then another this is why we play moment. You know, I know how you sports books work. I know that you're all about public sentiment. And I knew that public sentiment was going to be extremely low on Kadarius Tony. So yeah, I threw a Kadarius Tony into a parlay. And yeah, it hit because for some reason, the Chiefs love to throw to this guy even though he does like you can see like Darius Tony, like thinking when he catches the ball almost it's, it's very funny <laughs> because he's like, all right, what insane physical maneuver am I going to pull? And then there's like a brief pause and then his entire body goes crazy. And sometimes it goes crazy in a good way. And sometimes it goes crazy in a bad way, but I just like, you know, when, when the market doubts someone uh, and they prove them wrong, not that Darius Tony turned in a, valuable fantasy performance by any means but he did pass his yardage total all right dane let's get into our preview for week two a couple of picks we'll fly through real quick here um reporting on week one we're going to keep track of this see how we do you Mm -hmm. are currently in the lead with two and a half points to mine two points uh uh, i had addison and nico collins as my starts they both went off so half a point for each one there I had Burks as a sit. I gave myself half a point for that. He uh, racked up 71 yards, but he less than 10 fantasy points. What do you think? Half a point, no point? I, to me, yeah. Yeah, I mean, less than 10 points is, I mean, you can find that on the waiver wire from 20 players is what I would say, yeah. Okay. Uh, Dallas Goddard, um did not hit 42.5. He was targeted seven times and caught six of those balls, but the yardage just wasn't there. So if you had better receptions, you're in a good spot, but not yardage. And then here's another one I need your judgment on. Rashid Shahid was my weekly miracle. Um, he caught four passes for 61 yards. I mean, that's right on the threshold. I think miracle uh, seven or eight points is like what you what you want. You're looking for a deep flex, and I think eight points is probably what we should set there. Okay. Should, so should I give myself a full point or half a point for that? Uh, he's close enough to eight now that we've established like the baseline for what that threshold is. I, I'd say give yourself a point, man. All right. I'll give myself a point, and that actually makes us tied at 2.5 points. Um, you hit I'm fine hun- with that. Yeah, you hit Hunter Henry. That was a great call by you. Um, your sit-ums were Drake London and Kyle Pitts. You get half a point for that. Drake London goes off. Kyle Pitts does not. Um, your prop was the Devontae Smith touchdown. That hit. Good job. That's the one that makes people money, so that's an especially important one to hit. And plus then, 150 by kickoff. It was plus 140 when we recorded. Yeah. Just saying. No, that's good. 
good stuff right there. And then your miracle on the flip side, uh, Zay Jones didn't full, work. <laughs> full full goose egg by Mister Zay here. But it nearly worked. Didn't yeah, work. <laughs> that's why. That's why we move forward. All right. So for my start of the weeks, uh, Dane, I have two, and I want you to tell me. Uh, you could you could throw a challenge flag, and I could remove one of these players. But I have AJ Brown and Jerry Judy. Um, do you think uh, AJ Brown isn't worth putting in a start category? Because hundred percent, because he's started by everyone. You know, okay. you're not benching him based on a lower than expected performance, even if it was like three points. Like you cannot bench AJ Brown. Yeah. So all right. So I'll just for the purpose of, of record keeping, I'll just go Jerry Judy. But I do, do, do just want to say that I think AJ Brown is going to have a monster, monster week. Okay. Yeah. Like just anytime AJ Brown uh, like complains about not getting the ball enough in a game, I feel like he has a monster week the next week. Um, so that's just that. But Jerry Judy, um, similar situation where. Uh, the Broncos have, I think, a cornered animal game. Yeah, they're playing the Dolphins. Obviously, Dolphins are not a cornered animal, but Broncos need to win. And I think Sean Payton is going to know that if he's going to keep up with the Dolphins, they need to throw the ball a lot. Um, so Cortland Sutton was the target in week one, but I think Jerry Judy, a bit better player. I'm hoping he's the week two target a little healthier. Yeah, yeah, I don't hate it there. Um, so we're picking two starts of the week. Is that oh no no no? Enough? It's okay. uh, I, if you pick two, it's you can get half a point for each one. If you pick like you could pick five players, gotcha. but then you, you know. So it's basically how many? How do you want to split your point up? In that case, I feel even better about my start of the week. He's not a player you drafted as a starter in nearly any league. Um, he's a player you probably had on the bench this week. But he's a player that I would play above probably all but 12 running backs this week. And that's Brian Robinson Jr. of the Washington Commanders. He is currently sitting at the running back three spot with uh, two touchdowns rushing, one touchdown receiving. Um, He's catching the ball far more than we ever thought. He has 11 targets through two weeks and 39, uh, 37, sorry, rushing attempts. And he is just performing. This Washington Commanders team is looking a lot better than we thought with Sam Howell at the helm and Ron Rivera vying for his job here. It just might keep him his job. Like this team is looking formidable. And we we already discussed the moonshot Russell Wilson almost comeback against this team. But guess what? Before that, the Washington Commanders came back and covered like an 18 point deficit. Like that is not to be scoffed at, especially against a Denver defense that is very good um and so we're looking at brian robinson against detroit this week detroit has not had the most stout defense um their rushing defense is okay it's mid-tier but i think brian robinson is such an integral part of this offense and and its success and antonio gibson is not infringing on that at all as far as what we've seen he's a he's a player on that offense but he's not taking any work away from brian robinson so i think this is the this is the week you take that confidence of those first two breakout performances i would say and without any hesitation you start brian robinson yeah i'll just very quickly add that last year i wasn't really impressed watching brian robinson same uh this year he looks good he looks like he looks good he looks like maybe and this is crazy Getting shot slowed him down a little bit last year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Two bullets in the leg could slow you down a little yeah. bit, it seems. 
Who'd have thunk it? All right, we'll fly through these. Uh, we got a hard out. Uh, sit of the week. I have uh, two here as well. Uh, Dalvin Cook. Uh, I kind of, I kind of already Good mentioned pick. that uh, you probably drafted him high enough to want to start him, but I would be sitting him. And then Rashad White. I've not been really impressed at all out of what I've seen out of Rashad White. And then uh, the Eagles' rushing defense has looked to be the stronger element of their defense they're definitely gettable through the air but uh rushing defense looks good so those are my sits of the week yeah i like both of those um my sit of the week he's a player you're probably looking at on waivers this week some deeper benches have him stashed or drafted in your league um i personally drafted this guy then i dropped him last week and then he popped off and now jacob in our league has him uh, but it's Jaden reed i don't think you should chase these points i think he had two Strong touchdowns yeah, it's just not going to happen. You cannot rely on a player like this who popped in one week. He had, he had two touchdowns. That's exceptional. And that's going to boost him into the wide receiver top 24 consideration. But he is not that guy on this offense. He's like the third or fourth option at best in this offense behind Christian Watson, who I assume will be back this week. Joshua Dobbs, who I think is going to be Romeo. still there this week. Sorry, Romeo Dobbs. Um and then uh, Luke Musgrave is also a big part of this offense as well. So uh, just don't do it. You can draft him or sorry, uh, you can put stash in a waiver him. bid, stash him. That's what, yes. Stash him. I think he's worth a stash. Do not start him. Yeah, he looked talented, but I think this is going to be kind of a hot hand offense. Um, and sure. just, yeah, not reliable week to week. Okay. My prop, um, I might need to alter this in the spreadsheet depending because there's no line for this right now. Um, but it's Jalen Hyatt, and I'm taking a, a page out of Jacob's book, Jalen Hyatt, longest reception. Uh, caught two deep passes uh, in the game uh, this weekend. The Giants seem to wake up and realize that they have an offense when they throw deep, um, and it worked going deep to Hyatt. That kind of sparked the game. Um, so right now there's a Darius Slayton longest reception out there for 17 and a half yards. Um, I'm hoping to take – Hyatt longest reception, hopefully around similar yardage. Um, but if it there's no line for it, I'll I'll just take the slate and longest reception. But right now I'm going Hyatt longest reception. I like it. Uh yeah, he could certainly do that in one play, uh, one target even. Uh I was thinking about taking Daniel Jones under rushing at 37 and a half, but I, I decided to go for Darren Waller over 45 and a half yards at negative 110 odds. Um, without Saquon Barkley, they will fortunately or unfortunately need to rely on Daniel Jones's arm a lot more than they did the past week. I, I would say two weeks, but didn't work out against Dallas. So uh, yeah, they, they really came back in a big way. Second half against the Arizona Cardinals last week, and they need that to happen again. And Darren Waller needs 10 targets or so to make that happen. And that would put him over 45.5 in my mind. Nice. And I think they've been waiting for like to have a Darren Waller game where he really gets going. So um, could be, could be this week. All right. My miracle got two players here. One, uh, everything you said about, Jaden Reed, you could say for this player as well, but I'm putting him in my weekly miracle column for the same reason I talked about Jerry Judy. I just think uh, the Broncos know that they're going to have to pass the ball and be really aggressive on offense to keep up with the Dolphins. So Marvin Mims, I think, is worth a 
Ooh. a miracle shot, especially since like, you know, if he is their deep ball guy, well, that's, that's the ball that Russell Wilson can still make look beautiful. And then the other one is Tank Dell. Shout out Tank Dell. Traded uh, Puka Nakua for Tank Dell to Dane preseason. Not the gr- a great move on my part, but <laughs> Tank Dell, 10 targets, 7 catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown. Um, I like the C.J. Stroud offense, and I think that Tank Dell is a rookie that's growing increasingly involved. Um, and yeah, any you know, if Puka can get 10 targets and then we're going to start him, then you know what? Tank Dell can get 10 targets and we're going to start him too. So those are my long shots, Tank Dell and Marvin Mims. I like splitting your odds there. I think uh, Marvin Mims only had like five snaps played. Right. You're, you're literally like banking on the long. It's like a weekly miracle in every sense of the word. Yeah, it truly is. So I love it for that reason. Mine is not far off from that. Mine is a player you mentioned before that you want to bet on Kadarius Tony versus the Chicago bears. I mean, there's no way this guy doesn't break one big play against the Chicago bears. And that's all he needs Uh, slant to the house, 39 yard touchdown. That puts me over like that eight point threshold. And that that's going to happen in my mind. They don't, they don't have like a wide receiver outside of uh, Travis Kelsey that matters at all to me. Sky Moore scored this week. I don't care. He's not that good. Kadarius Tony, they're going to throw him the ball still. They showed that they still have some faith in him. So it's going to happen. Yeah. Put that sky more stuff in my, what matters least. Uh, Same. I, I really thought about it for my, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't think it was even significant. It, it was not a headliner enough to get no. there, but, but yeah, wasn't necessarily impressed with that. All right. That's our episode for this week. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll be back next week. Thanks. <laughs>